please hold your Bible in the air. Lift it up. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Man, uh, I was so excited just teaching this message in the early service. And when we were finished, uh, some of you were here. You saw the elderly gentleman was sitting at the back. He walked up to me and he said, man, <laughs> I wish I had met you 40 years ago. <laughs> and Greg was standing there. Greg was like, he was not here 40 years ago. <laughs> and he was like, I know, that's the point. <laughs> That was just funny. So this message will change your life if you uh, uh, act on it. Amen? Today we are talking about faithfulness. Someone say faithfulness. faithfulness. The reason we're talking about faithfulness, remember we uh, now started a brand new series. I call it the toolbox. And we're going to be taking all the different random teachings uh, from the word of God that you know we haven't developed into a series. And just kind of throw them into your toolbox so that you, know, you have these spanners that you can... You know, work life with whenever you're confronted with uh, uh, real life situations. Amen. So today we are definitely going to be talking about faithfulness. And uh, faithfulness is the single most important ingredient when it comes to life and operating in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen? It is the uh, single most important characteristic trait to have in life. You know why? Because God's modus operandi, God's uh, way of operation is to promote the faithful. That's just how it is. God promotes the faithful. So if you want to uh, uh, get God to move you from where you are to the next level, to the next dimension, you're going to have to be faithful. Man, I wish I could teach something else. Like, you know, you know, you can just come here and we lay hands on you and promotion will fall on you. But that's not the kingdom's way of doing things. I can't do that. The only way you are going to step into more, the only way you are going to get promoted by God is through being, being faithful. Amen. Amen. The word faithfulness in the Greek is the word pistos, P-I-S-T-O-S. And here are some synonyms for the word faithful. Uh, trustworthy, reliable, uh, having a steadfast consistency, loyal, and dependable. Hunt your neighbor and ask them, are you dependable? Ask them, can God trust you? Ask them, can God rely on you? Ask them, are you even consistent? Colossians chapter number 1, verse 6. That's what faithfulness means. It means to be consistent. Amen? Uh, first, did I say? Colossians chapter number 1 from verse 6 to 7. Which is to come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Next verse. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a what? Faithful. I didn't hear that. Faithful. Who is for you a 
faithful minister. This is the only time in scripture we hear of this dude called Epaphras. It's the only time. And the only description the apostle Paul saw fit to talk about in his life was not his height. It was not the size of his church. He was the pastor of the church at Colossae. It was not how relevant the uh, youth in his church was. It was not how up-to-date the children's ministry was. It was simply his faithfulness. Yeah. Amen. Let's go to Colossians chapter number 4, verse 7. This is how important faithfulness is. Colossians chapter number 4, from verse 7 to 9. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother. And a what? I didn't hear that. And a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Next verse. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Next verse. With Onesimus. Here's a little story about Onesimus. Onesimus was a bad dude. <laughs> he worked for Philemon. Philemon was a big businessman. In fact, the church at Colossae met in Philemon's house. So Onesimus worked for Philemon, and then he, you know, at one point he decided he was going to steal some money. So he stole lots of money from Philemon, and he, went, he took off, went to Rome, a city called Ephesus. And there he was spending money. Just went on a spending spree, you know, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then in that week he decided... To buy a Lamborghini. That's when he was caught. <laughs> he was driving around in a Lambo as a security guard in Philemon's house. They said something must be wrong. So the man was caught. He was thrown into prison. And in prison he met uh, Paul. Paul preached the gospel to him. And he converted. You know, sat under Paul's teachings. And then when Paul was getting ready to send him back to uh, uh, Colossae to Philemon. He knew there was going to be drama. You know, because the guy wants his money. In fact, he wants his head. <laughs> and then Paul said, you know what? I'm actually going to write a letter and this is the basis of the letter written to Philemon. That whole chapter is uh, 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 Paul extending an apology on behalf of uh, Onesimus. And so when Onesimus went back, he went back with two letters. In fact, he went back with three letters. The other one he took to the uh, church at Ephesus, the other one he took to Philemon. So before he gave him the Colossians, he gave him the letter of apology first. And then he read the letter, and then, you know, he gave him the church, uh, the letter to the church at, in Colossians with Onesimus. So Onesimus was a thief initially. But watch what happened. Onesimus, a what? A faithful and beloved brother. You know why? Because faithfulness has got nothing to do with how you start. It always has got everything to do with how you finish. See, because everybody's at the starting line looking like they're a runner. You know, yesterday I went running and I was telling Pastor Trevor after the race that, you know, I decided because my time was not good, I was going to stand closer to the front. So here I am, I'm standing closer to the front and I'm just, you know, checking out people around me. And I saw this one girl standing on my left and she walked right there and she went and stood right in front of me and she had all the gear, you know, the running gear, you know, the aerodynamic stuff. You know, she had this Apple watch, and she, I mean, she was looking like a runner. And then she had a cap to match, you know, the top. 
And then when the instructor came and he said, on your marks, get set, go. Man, she couldn't even run. <laughs> she looked like she was a runner, but she didn't have it in her to run. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, starting is easy. Everybody's at the starting line. The only real faithful ones are the ones who are also at the finish line. And the only way to get to the finish line is to be faithful. You have to be faithful. Amen. Let's go to now Philemon chapter number 1 verse 10. See what happened. The, the, the transformation that took place in Onesimus' uh, uh, life. After he had been faithful, here's what happened. So Paul is writing to Philemon and he said, I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bones. Next verse. Which in time past was what? See, when you are not faithful, it means you are not what? What are the synonyms? You are not trustworthy. You are not dependable. You are not, uh, what's the other synonym? You are not consistent. You are not reliable. And to God, anyone who is not faithful is unprofitable. In other words, it would be the same if we didn't have you in the kingdom. Watch what it says. Which in time past to thee was unprofitable, but now is profitable to you and to me. Next verse. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is my own bowels. Give it to me in the NIV. That verse. That verse. See, this is King James. I am sending him who is my very heart. This is how God looks at dependable, trustworthy, faithful people. He says, I'm sending you this guy. He is my, he carries my very heart. I'm sending him back to you. Next verse. I would have liked to keep him. Everybody wants faithful people on their team. Amen. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. Next verse. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Next verse. Perhaps the reason you were separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. Next verse. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. This is the description of a faithful man. Amen? It just doesn't fall on anybody. First Corinthians chapter number 4. But before we even go to First Corinthians 4, I want you to see Paul's attitude uh, when it comes to faithfulness. Let's go to Acts chapter number 15, verse 36. Paul's attitude when it comes to faithfulness. Acts 15, verse 36. Some time ago, did I say? Acts 15, that's five. So 15. You gave me five. 15, there you go. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord. 
and see how they do. Next verse. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, who was his cousin, whose surname was Mark. Next verse. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. This doesn't, you know, paint the picture. Give it to me in the Message Bible, just that verse. Watch what it says. But Paul wouldn't have him. He wasn't about to take along a what? I didn't hear that. Paul said, man, I don't want this dude because this dude is not faithful. He's not dependable. I don't want him. He's a quitter. I'm not about to take a quitter who as, the, as soon as the going got tough. How many of you know that the going will get tough? But faithful people stay faithful even when the going gets tough. He says, who as soon as the going got tough? What happened? He had jumped ship on them in Pamphylia. As soon as the ship got tough. As soon as life got tough, he was ready to jump ship. Amen. And Paul was saying, hey, I don't want him on my team. I don't even want him on my marriage team. Amen. How many single people do we have in the house today? Don't get someone who's ready to quit as soon as... Oh, man, let me tell you, the going will get tough, but you need someone who is faithful even in tough times. Not someone who's ready. I mean, this dude was ready to quit as soon as the going got tough. In other words, he had one foot outside of the... He was not faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Hunt your neighbor and ask them, are you, are you even faithful? You, 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 you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 1 in the King James Bible. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards. Someone say stewards. How many of you know that we are all stewards? Amen. We are stewards of God's resources. This is an attitude. In fact, this is the first step to a, a, a life of abundance. You have to realize that you're a steward. Amen? You have to realize that God has, in, has entrusted you with all these things. This is why in this church we even have baby dedication. It is to remind you that they're not your children. They ain't even your children. They belong to God. You, you are just a steward looking after somebody else's property. And that goes for your money too. If you want to get God to trust you with more money, the first step to financial uh, abundance is to realize I'm just a steward. What is a steward? A steward is a manager of someone else's estate. And if you have an attitude that, hey, this is God's money, you won't fight with God when he gives you instructions on how to use it. Because guess what? It's not even my money after all. Generous people have this attitude that God has trusted me with these resources. Who was we watching? That billionaire from uh, China, Jack Ma. He was saying, man, when, 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 when I, I look at this thing of being a billionaire as a trust that has been bestowed upon me by God and the community. He says when the community bring all their money, they're just entrusting, entrusting me with all these resources so that I can help to change and develop the world and make it better than we found it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And guess what? When God finds a man like that, he will give them more. You know why? Because he knows every time God gives them an instruction, they are ready to move. Every time God tells them to build a school, they are ready to move. To pay for 40,000 kids to go to school, they are ready for move, to move. Amen? In fact, I was reading an interview of this woman. She's married to this millionaire. And now they send about 40,000 kids to school and, you know, just following uh, up on it and just reading on it. And she said they started that company, that trust to send uh, people to school before they had resources. So in her mind, she was just ready for when the resources come to disperse the resources. And guess what? God will move heaven and earth to make sure that that kind of a man and that kind of a woman will get all they need to touch people's lives. Because that's what money is for. Money is to change people's lives. Next verse. Moreover, it is required. Do you see that word? Back in college, you know, there are two different types of courses you could do. There were electives and then the core course. The required ones. The compulsory ones. This is a core course, what he's about to tell us. He said, moreover... It is a core course. Moreover, it is required. It is a requirement. If you are going to do medicine, it is a requirement that you pass biology. With 80% and above. It's a requirement. Otherwise, we ain't even talking to you. We're not even looking at your application. In fact, it would be good if you didn't apply. Because we told you ahead of time, if you want to do medicine, make sure you get 80% in biology. He's about to give you a requirement for you to qualify as a steward. He said, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Did you see it? You need to be found faithful. You need to be found faithful. Amen. Next verse. Thank you, Jesus. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. If you are going to be faithful to God, the first thing you need to do is to be delivered from people's opinions. Man, Paul said it's a small thing, that what, what people think of me. I don't even consider it. Amen? If you are addicted to people's approval, you reject any assignment from God that threatens it. If you are addicted to people, you know, it's particularly now in a, in a world of social media, if you are addicted to followers and likes, and I just want likes and, you know, followers and everyone to just like me. Man, when we post our messages on, on Facebook, sometimes we get someone opposing us, but guess what? We believe the assignment God has given us, and we will not let any man stop this train from moving. We won't let men judge us. We are free from people's opinions. Amen. Amen. And watch what he even says, man. I love the Apostle Paul. He said, for me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of any man's judgment. Give it to me in the NIV. I mean, this guy is cocky. Watch what he says in the NIV. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Man, I ain't even, I ain't even consent. So what? That's, that's his attitude. So what? What you think of me? So what? God has sent me and I'm doing what I'm called to do. And watch what he says right after that. He says, I don't even judge myself. 
You know why? Because every time you judge yourself, one of two things will happen. The first one is you always overrate yourself. You, you think of yourself uh, higher than you ought to think. Romans 12 verse 3, right? And the second one, which is prevalent, the most dangerous one, is you think less of yourself. Low self-esteem. And Paul is saying, I don't even let myself think less of myself. The temptation is there, and the temptation is greater, but I don't even judge myself. You know why? Because I let God be the judge. And if God says I'm going over, guess what? I am going over. And if God says I'm the head and not the tail, guess what? I am the head and not the tail. And if God says all my needs are met according to his riches and glory, guess what? All my needs are met. So I don't even judge myself. I know I'm tempted to, but I don't even judge myself. You know why? Because I want to be faithful to the calling, to what God has called me to do. Matthew chapter number 25. Here's God's perspective on faithfulness. Matthew 25, verse 20. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. And so, you know, Jesus is talking about the parable of talents. Remember the story? The master gave away talents, went away, gave them time to do business with the talents. When he came back, uh, the, the one who had five talents, watch what happens. He who had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside me, beside them five, five more talents. Next verse. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Did you see that? Give it to me in the New King James Bible. You know, I want you to see something here. He said, uh, his Lord came and said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful. Do you see that? Over a few things. You have to be faithful over a few things. He said, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler. If you are reading in the New uh, NIV, New International Version, it says, I will put you in charge over many things. Amen. See, when you catch this revelation, you won't, le- man, you will care less what men think of you because you know the ultimate promoter, the lifter of your head is God and not men. He is the one who brings promotion. Promotion does not come from the east or the west, but it is God. Who promotes one and puts down another? Man, when you catch this revelation, it will deliver you from being a people pleaser, a man pleaser. How many of you know that you can't please man and God at the same time? You're going to have to choose. Next verse. The man with the two talents came also. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two. See, I have gained two more. Next verse. His master replied, well done, good and what? Faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of? This is God's modus operandi. If you've been faithful with small things, it does not matter how small the small things are. You are coming into many things. Do you see God's uh, reward to each and every one of these men 
uh, was similar. It was the same reward. He said, man, because you've been faithful with the least, I will put you in charge over many things. Same reward. So it doesn't matter whether you're faithful cleaning, whether you're faithful just driving, whether you're faithful as a CEO. If you are faithful, God is bringing all of you into many things. That's God's modest operanda. That's just the way he functions. Amen? Next verse. Then a man who had received one talent said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered. Next verse. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked. And what? Lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Next verse. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. In other words, take from him and give it to the faithful one. This is how God operates. He gives more to people who are faithful. I'm going to give you four areas of faithfulness that you need to exercise in your life. The first one is relationships. Why? Because relationships are a currency of life. When God wants to bless you, you will bring people. Amen? Amen. Remember, give and it will come back to you. How many? Good measure. Press down, shake them together. Shall? I didn't hear that. Shall men give unto your bosom? When God wants to bless you, you will send men. And if you treat the relationships that God has sent in your life cheaply and you are not faithful with them, you will not reap much fruit. The first relationship you need to be faithful in is your spouse. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. I knew it. Man, you need to be faithful with that woman, that man that God has blessed you with. Amen? Amen. You need to be faithful in spending time with them. You need to be faithful. Uh, uh, You know why? Because the greatest unity that can ever exist in the earth realm is between a man and a woman in marriage. You know why? The Bible describes it this way. It says the two shall become how many? One. One flesh. It's the only place where two plus two equals one. And when you allow strive in that place of marriage, when you allow division, when you allow people to come and so strive and so on and so forth, the Bible says where there is strive, there is every kind of evil work and confusion. When you allow all kinds of stuff to come in between you and your spouse and you are not faithful and you don't exercise faithfulness, you are going to be in trouble. Amen? You are going to be in serious trouble. Number two, the second relationship you need to be faithful with is your mentors. Your mentors. Without a mentor, your acceleration from point A to B is thoroughly slowed down. Mentors must be pursued, not the other way around. Amen? Have different mentors in your life for different areas of your life. You need to pursue your mentor, not the other way around. 
You know, almost every mentor that I've had in my life has contributed in my life significantly to the point that with some of my mentors, people literally said, hey, you sound the same. If I was not in the room and I was walking outside and heard someone talking, I would probably think it was same advice, same wisdom, same teaching, same anointing. You know why? Because I pursued them. You know, my wife could never understand. Man, I'll be pursuing. At one point, I was my mentor's driver. And, and I'd, sometimes I'd go and play golf. I don't even like golf, but I'm playing golf because guess what? I know this is the only time we can spend time together, and I'm going to be learning from you as much as I can. Just last month, you know, my mentor from Cape Town came, into, uh, uh, came to town, and he was going to go to Steelfontein, and I freed up a full day just so I can drive with him 200 kilometers and learn 33 years of experience in ministry in two hours. But guess what? I have to pursue it. Hallelujah. And the third relationship you need to be faithful in is protégés. Every one of you in here is a mentor. Someone shout, I am a mentor. Not only should you have someone you look up to, you should have people that look up to you and keep you in check. And keep you accountable. And the only time you know you really know something is when you start teaching it to someone else. Say it again, I am a mentor. Well, let me give you a nugget as a mentor. Keep this with you all the time. Do not cast pearls before swine. In other words, don't give your best years, best advice, best time to people who are not hungry enough to receive it. You know, pastor, but I'm just trying to help them. But they're not listening to you. What you are doing is called casting pearls before swine. In fact, uh, Andrew Womack was talking about one of his friends who's, uh, 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 he owns a rehabilitation center. And he was saying, you know, at his rehabilitation center, he only receives or allows people to come into the center who have come to check themselves in. You won't take anyone who's been brought by their family. You will not take anyone who's been brought by their wife, their spouse, their husband. You will not take anyone who's been brought by their family or friends. You will only take people who have the will, self-will to say, I want change in my life. And I'm telling you, the only people you should be mentoring and giving time to are people who are hungry enough to receive it and apply it in their lives. Otherwise, you is be wasting time. Can I say that? You're wasting time. Amen. Okay, moving right along. Did that help you? So don't waste your precious time, your precious pearls, your precious days on people. That, man, I don't like it when people treat my wisdom like trash. Because, I mean, I've spent 12, 13 years in ministry accumulating all this wisdom. Man. I don't like it when people trample upon it. Man, this is valuable wisdom. I like it when people call me, and, and there's a lots, of, lots of people that call me and say, Hey, Pastor T, can I please have your time? And I give those people my time. But I'll never call you and say, Hey, can I please give you my time? It will never happen. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm just going to be casting pearls before swine. And guess what? Your mentor will open doors for you in places that you never, ever, ever thought that God could open doors for you. 
I mean, just that one trip, we went to Steelfontaine. In the same day, I was dining and having lunch with the senior pastors in the whole city. Sitting in there, just, you know, watching. And I took uh, Dillian and, and Pablo with me to, to Cape Town. And we were preaching and ministering in Malmesbury. And, man, this, this was my door. God had opened this door for me. I decided, hey, I'm going to take these cats with me so that we can, you know, just give them an opportunity to see how we minister and so on and so forth. And I'm there. I'm preaching on my first night. As I finished ministering, this lady walked up to Sister Delia and she said, man, I've been looking for a speaker for my conference. I have found you. One meeting. And guess what? All I needed to say to Dillian was, hey, you are coming with me to Cape Town where I'm going to be preaching. And as a protege, she knew not to argue with me. She said, hey, Pastor T, I'm coming. Not I'm going to be thinking about it. Now, next week, or in about two weeks' time, she's going to be speaking to about 600 women. Man, God always makes it better. I wasn't speaking to 600 people, but guess what? My protege will be speaking to 600 people. So if I start speaking to 1,000, guess what? My protégés will be speaking to 5,000. That's just how it works. It, it always gets bigger and better. When your CEO says, you know, come to my office, let's talk. Man, do you value that time? You know, do you have questions prepared? Oh, man, do you even take a gift? Some of you just walk in there like you come from Ashlatini. Man, do you even take a gift? Do you even honor them? This is the CEO of the company. You just walk in there. Some of you walk in there and you don't even listen. And he's trying to tell you, man, this is my life story. This is my life journey. I passed matric, and after I finished matric, I did this, I went and I studied this, and this is what got me where I am. Man, that's valuable information. And you're not even listening. Man, you need to listen. Take a notebook, get in there, and take everything that the man knows. Amen? So you need to be faithful with the relationships that God has blessed you with. Number two, you need to be faithful in your finances. Let's go to Luke chapter number 16, verse 10. Luke chapter number 16, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. Is this helping someone? Yes. Man, if you haven't called your mentors, as you leave church today, start establishing that communication again and reach out to them and start learning. Start today. Start today. Amen? And have different mentors for different areas of your life. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Luke 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. In other words, you cannot get into algebra without mastering numbers from 0 up to 9. You cannot get into literature without mastering, you know, I, A, E, O, U, vowels. Or the alphabet. It's not happening. You start with the least and you get into much. That's just how it works. Amen. And the man is saying, this is Jesus speaking by the way. He says, he who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. You know, Pastor T, I'm going to start preaching, you know, my, my real good sermons when, when the church gets to about uh, 700. So over here, I don't need to be faithful. So guess what? 
you are going to be waiting a very long time because you're not coming into that because you're not faithful here. In fact, let me say this. To those of you who are still dating and, you know, looking, don't promote someone into marriage who is not faithful as a boyfriend. Because you're just making them more accountable. Okay, all right, moving right along. Quickly, quickly, quickly. He that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in much. He just, that is unjust in least will be. If therefore you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon or, or money. He's saying if you have not been faithful in, in the little money that you have, God asks, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Did you see that? In other words, the entry level for faithfulness is the area of unrighteous mammon. If you cannot be trusted, what God is saying is, if you cannot be trusted with money and wealth and, and, and material things, if you can't be trusted with that, who will trust you with the true riches of the kingdom? The diamond and the pearls of, your, of the kingdom. So you have to be trusted with the least. In other words, there is no way you can jump 100 meters if you can't jump 10 meters. You have to master how to jump 10 meters first for you to understand how to jump 100 meters. That's just how it works. If you cannot be trusted with the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? What do you consider true riches? Joy? Is that a true rich? Anointing? Is that a, a part of the true riches? A godly home and a happy marriage, is that part of true riches? A divine health, is that part of true riches? God is saying, man, if you can't be trusted in the area of money, you know why God is saying money? Because money has the ability to take your heart and give it to someone else. It's the only thing that you can serve side, side to side with God. It's the only thing that can challenge God at a deity level and also demand that people serve it. And he's saying, man, if you can't be trusted in that area, you can't be trusted with the true riches. Next verse. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who believes they've been called to business here? This one's for you. He's saying, if you cannot be trusted as an employee, if you have not been faithful as an employee, if you can be trusted with something that belongs to someone else. In other words, if you just go to work and, you know, clock watch and leave when it's, before it's even 5 o'clock, 4.49, 55 seconds, 58 seconds, 59, 5 o'clock, you are leaving. If you are that person, he's saying, you, you, you cannot be trusted with that which is your own. If you are that person who, who's not faithful in your place of employment, you go and photocopy all the, book, the books of your cousins, the books of your children, the books of your grandmother, the books of your whole tribe, you go and photocopy without asking anyone. And you're stealing. Amen. It's called stealing. Aren't your neighbor and tell them it's stealing. There's no, it's stealing. If you are stealing from your employer, you're stealing time and you're not faithful, Watch what the man is saying. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Yeah. God is figuratively speaking here and he's saying, 
I ain't even giving you nothing. That's what God is saying. If it was in the streets, God would say, I ain't giving. If you have not been faithful in your place of employment, I ain't giving you nothing. That's what God is saying. No one is giving you anything. Because you, you are not faithful. In fact, here's how it works. When you start your business, you will have people 100% like you. That would be working for you. Would you hire you? If you had a business... If you had a business, would you hire you? People would be, man, I would fire me. <laughs> Pastor, man, I'm firing Because <laughs> I monkey around, I'm playing Pac-Man. Do they play Pac-Man anymore? <laughs> solitaire, do they still play Solitaire? <laughs> I'm playing Solitaire during, would you hire you if you were running a business? Candy Crush. Amen? But this is serious stuff. You know, we don't look at this, but God wants you to be faithful. God wants you to be dependable. What else did we say? Trustworthy. Reliable. Consistent. And all these words. You know how? The only way you can be all of this is when you know, your, is, is when you know where your reward comes from. When you know where your reward comes from, go with me to Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. You should know this. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I was uh, uh, sharing with uh, Tate and I was saying, man, you know, as pastors, the, the, the number one requirement from God is that we be faithful to what he has called us to do. Because after all is said and done, I have to face the man and the man is going to look me in the eye and say, uh, uh, you wicked and slothful servant, or well done, my good and faithful servant. And I can't do that trying to please people. I can only do that being pleasing to God and being consistent and loyal to the assignment that he has called me to. So, man, I would be better. I would be at a better place having everybody not like me for about eight years and God, have God celebrate me for eternity. Man, that, 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 that's no contest. Man, I'll have God happy with me for eight years. Man, I'll do whatever God has called me to do for eight years. And if people like it, praise, Lord, praise the Lord. If they don't, so what? Just keep doing it. Because after all is said and done, Everybody in here has to stand before the man and give an account. And the man is going to say one of two things. Get away from me, you wicked and slothful. Or, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the Lord, the, 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 the joy of the Lord, the happiness of the master. Amen? Colossians chapter number 2, verse 3, 23. Okay. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. So he's talking to you. When you go to work, man, when you start a business, everything you do, when you serve in church, man, whatsoever you do, whatever you find your hands to do, do it heartily. Do it with everything you have. You know why? Like we said, God uses people. There's always someone sent by God watching. Always. There's always someone sent by God. In fact, the Bible says, man, you need to be aware in these last days because when you entertain, lest you entertain uh, angels thinking they are men. Uh, yeah. 
Sometimes God sends his angels to even come and watch you. So they can open doors for you. Amen. Amen. And he's saying here, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. Not unto man. Knowing this, the only way you can do stuff with excellence, knowing that I'm doing it for God and not for man, is when you know this. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. He didn't say knowing that of the Lord, there's a good chance. Do you see that? He says you shall. He uses a legal term. It is happening. If you are faithful, if you do it heartily, you you are receiving a, a reward of his inheritance. There's no other way. And you need to have this mindset. Ooh, man. You need to have this mindset that you're working for the Lord. This is why I can come from preaching uh, overseas and go next door and use the hoover to clean up the room. It doesn't change. Uh, it doesn't diminish my value in any way. Man, I don't have to have a shiny suit and have... You know, people carry my Bible, you know, six armor bearers and walk in here and, you know, look all majestic and stuff like that for me to have value. No, my only value is determined by, by my faithfulness to the assignment that God has called me. And guess what? As long as I stay faithful, he will promote me. He will reward me. And because of that, because I'm working for God, man, I am delivered from just being a man pleaser. You know why? Because God is the one who promotes. God is the one who rewards. So at work, if you understand this, you do it heartily. But pastor, you know, my boss always wants to take credit for all the projects, but I'm the one working. You have not read this scripture. Because if you have read this scripture, you will know it doesn't matter what your boss does with it. He is not the one who promotes people. I know the one who promotes people. God is the one who promotes people. And guess what? Because I'm working for God and unto the Lord, I will get my promotion. Amen. doesn't matter what my boss does. Amen. I'm going to stay faithful in the lane that God has called me to. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the what? The Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing you need to be uh, faithful in is your assignment. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse 1. Your assignment is your place of fulfillment. Everyone has a God-given assignment that will make a significant contribution to life and to the kingdom of God. Watch what it says in verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. Now you must understand this about Ahab. Ahab was the king, the evil king, who was married to Jezebel. You remember the story? And they had been killing prophets. And while they were killing prophets, God gave to Elijah an assignment to go to Ahab and deliver a word of judgment. And if Elijah had been thinking about himself and his back, he wouldn't have taken on this assignment. But because he was so committed to God's word and his assignment over his life, he said, I'm going to do it. And he went and delivered the word. He said unto Ahab, the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. There shall be no dew, no rain these years, but according to my word. And he's telling it to Ahab and Jezebel. 
I wonder what happened, what was going through Jezebel and Ahab's mind. Do you know what we've been doing lately? We've been killing people like you. <laughs> and he still says, hey, because it's God's assignment over my life, I am doing it. Regardless of the risk, regardless of the, the, you know, the hearsay, what people have been saying or what's been happening. I am taking on God's assignment and I'm going to do it. I'm talking to some of you, you're not stepping up because of what your in-laws think about it. You're not stepping up because of what your spouse, you know, thinks about it. You're not stepping up because of what the people in your community think. But God is saying this is your assignment. And let me tell you, God won't give you the next instructions to the next assignment until you fulfill the instructions he has already given you. So if you don't do what we told you in grade one, we ain't going to grade two. So we'll be standing on grade one. Have you ever seen Christians who've been Christians for 45 years but still in grade one and you wonder, ha! Ah, what's going on? He hasn't done this instruction, so he's not getting Because God orders your steps, not your road, not your way, not your journey. It's the steps of a good man that are ordered of the Lord. So as you take your steps, God begins to order. Man, mobility, forward mobility is a good thing. You know why? It's easier to turn a car that's moving than the one that's just stuck in, you know, in park. Not going anywhere. Sometimes you just need to move in faith. Obey God and just move in faith. And God will begin to direct you. Watch what he says. And uh, there shall not be any rain, but according to my word. And when he finished delivering this word, when he finished this assignment, watch what happens. Next verse. And the word of the Lord, another word came. Because he had finished this assignment. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Sherith that is before Jordan. Next verse. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee where? God has already commanded your provisions in your place of assignment. He didn't command it here. He commanded it there. And when you start taking steps towards God, what God has created for you to do, I can guarantee you when you get to your place of assignment, there's going to be provision. And he went to the commanded place. I have a teaching called a place called there that goes into detail. It's your place of assignment. Once you get there, everything works easily. But you have to go there. And when Elisha got to the brook, he was fed. Amen. While you're in your assignment, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Amen. I said amen. Everything with God starts as a seed. It starts small. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse 10. Watch what it says. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Give it to me in the NIV. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with how many? All your might. Whatever assignment that is before you, 
Do it with everything you have. You know, we had our mentorship session with uh, Tate last week, Tuesday, and I was telling him, man, you know, I've been watching, because when we started Grand Fontaine, it was a live thing. And I told him, I said, man, I thought you were going to quit like everybody else along the way, because most people quit. And I said, praise God, you proved me wrong. Because, man, I've seen, I've been in ministry long enough, I've been in life long enough to see people just take off at the starting line in business. In fact, we were running, Henry will tell you the story, we were running the park run, and it was my first time to run the park run. And I get there and I went and I started talking to this one guy who had been doing it for about, you know, two, three weeks, and he's telling me all about it and so on and so forth. And then, you know, the instructor came on your marks, get set, go. I mean, this guy took off. I thought he was 100 meters the way he took off. He just <laughs> took off. And I'm thinking in my mind, my goodness, this is how you run? Is this the pace for this thing? I'm going to pass out. And as I'm, as I'm about to keep up with him, as we got to the turn, he started walking. Man, I was disappointed. He started walking. And I was like, man, you almost misled me. By your pace at the starting line. Man, people take off at the starting line. The pastor, I'm, I'm quitting my business. I'm, I'm starting this. I'm quitting my job. I'm starting this business. I'm, ah, they're fired up. But you meet them two weeks later, it's all gone. Pastor, I know I'm called. I know I'm called to be in ministry. I know I'm called to be in ministry. And usually what we do in this church uh, for us to really tell if you're called in ministry is we ask you to serve. We just say, man, why don't you serve in the toilets to show us you are called by God? And those that are really called by God, man, they'll be cleaning them toilets. They'll be loving on people. You know why? Because the real test of the calling of God on your life is when you can love people in all their mess. When you can let the love of God flow out of you while people are, you know, depressed and in trouble and you can still love them. And man, we will just be watching and watching and watching and we can tell. We can tell, oh, this one. This one just wants to be an executive pastor. See, a lot, there are a lot of people that think pastoring is an executive job. A lot of people. Man, we've met a lot of them. You know, they thought our pastoring is an executive job. We just, you know, we just start this church in Santon and then I will just, you know, be preaching, preaching as every 30 minutes every Sunday. And then, you know, no, 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 no. This is 10% of what I do, if not less. The real deal is loving God's people, praying for them when you don't feel like it. That's where the real deal is. And many of them have a flat tire before the first kilometer is even finished. And they can't go forward. You know why? Because they haven't mastered the art of being faithful in that which God has called them to do. Amen? Let's go lastly to Ephesians chapter number 6. Oh, two more. Two more scriptures. Do I still have any time? No. No time. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 6. Is this helping someone so far? Man, aren't you name and tell them, are you going to be faithful after this? Are you going to be faithful? You need to be faithful. Especially when no one is watching. Amen? Especially when no one is watching. Watch what it says. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Did I say Ephesians? Did I say Ephesians? Six. 
6 not 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 5 6 verse 5 bond servants or employees be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ next verse not with eye service in other words don't just work when your boss is looking at you Because when you become a businessman, a businesswoman, a pastor of a church, you know, no one is looking at you. Are you going to work? Because that's where the real test is. Amen? Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ or as employees of Christ. You're working for Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Next verse. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to man. He keeps saying this. You're not working for man. It's your business, but it's God's business. Amen? Next verse. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from who? Their boss? Their mother, their father, the president, the man of who? The Lord. Because the real boss, man, you're real boss. My check, my check is paid by the Lord. Amen. And if I do a good job, guess what? God, in fact, when I took the, 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 the church uh, pastoring job as full time, I took a salary cut. I think about, you know, four or five times divide by four or divide by five times but guess what while I was getting that little in fact one month I, I gave up all my salary to the church just gave them all of it and the, the month I did that someone paid my salary who doesn't even come to this church someone who's not even in this country not even on this continent you know why because God will find someone. Man, there are plenty of people who are just waiting for God to give them instruction to come and bless you, lift you up. All you have to do is to be faithful to God and God will make it happen for you. The problem is, man, we think, man, we think our destinies are, are wrapped in what men think of us. No, my destiny is wrapped in what God thinks of me. Knowing that what, whatever good, whatever good, whatever good, whatever good anyone does, you will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. Now this one is for Tinashe. Those of you who own businesses, this one's for you. Next verse. As for you, business people, give it to me in the NIV. And you, business people, Treat your employees in the same way. Do not what? Oh yeah, he's talking to bosses too. The people that work for you. He's saying, hey, you, treat the people that work for you, your subordinates in the same way. Do not what? I didn't hear that. How many of you know that threatening is not a leadership style? Motivate them. Share your vision with them. What does the Bible say? Write it down. Make it plain. So that he who sees it may get passionate and run with it. Not threats. Man, I don't threaten. 
I should though. <laughs> if you so scribe, man, we have to get rid of you. You know why? Because the Bible says, the Bible is very clear. It says, take out the one who brings strife and there will be peace on the land. No, that's an instruction. From, we won't threaten. We won't say, ah, if you do it next. No, we'll just say, ah, from today onwards, you can't work in the church office. Because, yeah. You're sowing. It's the only thing, man. It's the only thing I'll ever fire someone for. Sowing strife. Now, you can steal from me. But I'm not saying steal from me. Right? <laughs> I'm saying, man, strife, strife is a cancer. It's the only thing we'll fire people. Strife. Man, stri- we don't tolerate strife. Just, you know, bickering and just, no. All right? So he says, don't tre- tre- threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is where? In heaven. So he's saying there's one dude who's the boss of both of you. So if you don't treat them right, the real boss is coming for you. He says the one who sits in heaven and with him, the real boss. He says with him, there's no what? There's no favoritism. With him, he just looks at your faithfulness. Have you been faithful? And if you haven't, you'll be in trouble. Okay, the fourth thing you need to be faithful in is your time. Time. There's no such thing as I don't have enough time. Pastor, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to spend time with my family. No, you have too much time in the day. All right? If the president of the U.S. can have dinner with his family every night, who are you? (laughs) That's just an excuse. Amen? Go home, spend time with your kids. And be motivated by love while you're doing it. Someone asked me a question around tithes the other day. And I said, there are two different people who pay tithes. There are those who are like a husband. You know, their wife says to them, hey, I want you home at seven. And you know, you're busy watching the game with the boys. And they say, yeah, me, I have to go. Why? Because the wife said, I must come, come home at seven. And then they're at home at seven. And then there's another guy who says, hey, gents, I can't finish the game because I want to go home before seven so I can put the kids to bed, read them a bedtime story. Both cats are at home. But the reason they are at home is different. The other one is motivated by wanting to be there. And the other one is motivated by, yo, that woman. She said, <laughs> she said if I don't. And it's the same thing. There's a, there's a dude who just wants to tithe because they love the Lord. Man, I just want to bless the Lord. And then there's a dude who, if he doesn't know, he said those devourers, the motivation. <laughs> The motivation is different. Do what you do motivated by love and compassion. Man, I just want to go home and hang out with my family. Ephesians chapter number 5 verse 16. Let's close this thing. Ah, thank you Jesus. Ephesians chapter number 5 verse 16 in the King James Bible. Oh, yeah, here. In the NIV, watch what it says. It says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, use your time and be productive. And what does it say in the King James Bible? Same verse, King James. It says, redeeming the time because the days are... Father, we honor you and we give you praise in the name above every other name. That is the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen and Amen. Well, remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we 
walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you.